worthy to be praised. Mm, thank you, Jesus. How many of you this morning are eager to get into it with the Lord? When this fast begins and we start seeking the Lord. You know, I, I never thought I would be looking forward to passing up a meal. It's just not, it is not my style. <clears throat> really, it's not, you know that. But man, oh man, I have to tell you, when you're hungry for the things that only the Lord can give you, and you know there's only one way to get them, you've got to go at the Lord, and you've got to go hard. And I don't mean hard in a bad way, but you, you know what I'm saying. You've got to bear down on, on that thing that you need from God. And um, there's been a message percolating in me. Oh, it's been stirring. Hallelujah. And I've been writing things as the Lord's been giving me. I'm so excited. But I'm not going to be sharing it this morning. Just, just thought I'd mention, mention that. That's right. It's like the guy that got up to preach and he said, You know, there are many things that I don't know. But of those things, I will not be speaking today. So, <laughs> But at any rate, um, in Leviticus, the exciting book of Leviticus, chapter 16, we've been looking at the ten preparations that God required of Aaron in order to enter into God's presence and receive the blessings that God had for him. Now, we are up to number nine today, so there's only one more after this, and I'll tell you, the, the last one, the tenth one, is perfectly fits within that first Sunday, the first week of our fast in January, so I'm just going to leave that out there, and that's where we're going to go for number ten, but this morning, number nine, let me just review for you the um, first eight preparations and remember, I don't need to say this every week, but let me just, let me just say this one thing. These rituals that uh, God gave to Aaron to practice, we don't practice the rituals, but the holiness that they were designed to bring about in Aaron's life so that he could interact with God and connect with God, that holiness is still required of us today. God hasn't changed. God is still holy, and we must still be holy to connect with him. If we make the mistake of allowing the devil to push us into that Old Testament kind of works and, and all the symbolisms and all of the, you know, the little um, tedious uh, rituals, then the enemy will sidetrack us because God has moved his people on. We're out of the symbolism. We're into the relationship. That's what Jesus coming did. Took us out of the symbolism, brought us into the reality of the relationship. So God is holy. We're not practicing these symbols or rituals, but we are walking in what they represent, the fulfillment uh, in our relationship with Jesus. So here's what the, uh, the first eight of these requirements were for us in the New Testament. Number one, appropriate God's grace. Number two, put on righteousness. Three, put on truth and honesty, particularly in the inward parts. Four, be cleansed with the word of God. 
Number five, worship God. Truly worship Him. Number six, you remember, separate yourself. When you go to be with the Lord, turn everything off. Get alone with God. Give Him your undivided attention. Number seven, I love this message, believe in the blood. The blood is speaking better things than that of Abel. Put your faith in the blood of Jesus that is alive today. And last week, I received a number of comments uh, about this message. It really touched my heart too. Give God the glory. Give Him the glory. Number nine this morning comes from verses... 24 through 28, Leviticus 16. I'm not going to read them, but I'm going to tell you what they describe. They describe Aaron and a couple other of the ministers that were involved in offering up the sacrifices and offering up the bull and the ram and, and the scapegoat. We didn't teach about the scapegoat uh, or uh, the sacrificial lamb and the scapegoat and the meanings of those things. I, I didn't feel like they were necessary for this message, but it's fascinating if you just want to do your own study. Read up about the scapegoat and the sacrificial lamb in uh, Leviticus 16. But the, the, um, the men that were involved in, in offering those offerings, and the man that had to take the scapegoat out into the wilderness and release it and come back, Aaron and the others that were involved in actually offering up these offerings, when it was all over with, God said, you must wash yourself again and wash all of your garments and clean and bathe yourself again before re-entering the camp. And the camp is daily life. The camp is where we all live, our community. So we've already established the fact that in the Old Testament, the symbolism of washing with water has its fulfillment in you, New Testament believers, when you bathe your minds and hearts in the Word of God. In John chapter 17, when Jesus was praying, just before his crucifixion, and he was interceding for us, he said in verse 17, sanctify them. And the word sanctify literally means purify, consecrate, separate them for yourself, make them holy. So Jesus said, sanctify them, purify them, separate them to yourself, make them holy. By your truth, your word is the truth. So Jesus establishes the fact that all of that washing in the Old Testament was really about our minds and hearts being washed and renewed with the word of God because that's where the real cleansing takes place. You remember that Jesus said to the Pharisees, well, you guys can wash your garments, wash your face, wash your hands. You can go through all that stuff all you want to, but God knows that you're still filthy on the inside. You're, you're connivers and, and uh, you've got hate in your heart. And the Lord said, there's nothing clean about you. You're just like a, a white painted sepulcher. So, in the New Testament, we find the reality that in order, all that God was speaking about when he said wash and all those washings, he was saying, I want your mind and your heart cleansed. And the only thing that can cleanse it is the word of God. Hallelujah. In Ephesians chapter 5, the apostle Paul basically um, said the same thing, but I wanted to share it with you because it brings an important point out. When he was talking about relationship between husbands and wives, and he said, husbands, love your wives like Jesus loved the church. 
and gave himself up for her so that he might, here's this word again, sanctify her. In other words, cleanse her, bring her to himself. Having cleansed her, Paul goes on to say, by the washing of water with the word so that he might present her to himself. A Christian that has no time and no interest for the word of God is always going to have a distant relationship with the Lord because we are brought near by being washed in the word. Now, there are a lot of people that read the Bible. They don't necessarily wash in the Bible. Until you're ready to give up the dirt, you can read the Bible. Uh, you understand? You can read the Bible and stay firmly gri gri uh, gripped on your stubbornness. And that word isn't washing nothing because you've you got to give up the dirt. You know what I'm saying? Got to give it up. So if you let the word, when you're studying the word, you need to let the word study you. When you are in the word, you need to let the word be in you. When you are drinking in the word, you need to let that word drink in you. So... Hallelujah. So when you do that, you are sanctified, and the Bible says Jesus can bring you to himself. Amen. So the washing that the priests were to go through after handling the sacrifice and dealing with all the business uh, connected with atonement and, and um, forgiveness of sin, before they ran back into daily life saying, Oh, praise God, we're, we're forgiven, and we've, we've had the day of atonement, the Lord said, Wait up. Go back and wash again. Again? Well, I mean, we're really, you know, again, the Lord says, wash again before re-entering the camp. And so there's a very important message. But uh, let me just say to you again, I want to just make sure we nail this down. It is literally the Word of God. Where's my Bible? Somebody, somebody get my Bible. Here we go. Now, here's the Word of God. And... Um, you need to be in this thing. Yes, sir. And you need to get this thing in you. Yes, sir. This thing needs to begin to challenge the way you think. Yes. It needs to challenge your view of the world. Yes. Christians waste way too much time trying to change this to adapt to that out there. When God has called and anointed you... To be the one that changes the hearts. Has it occurred to you that the world needs a change? The world needs it. doesn't need just a makeover. It needs a transformation. The only thing that God has ever brought into this world that transforms is His Word. When we receive it the right way and get it into our heart, can you say amen? So, the Word sets your mind right in order to transform your life so that your life can be presentable to God. Yes. Let me say that again. The Word sets your mind right in order to transform your life so that you may be presentable to God. That's really what Romans 12, 2, we quote this one a lot too. Um, Romans 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul also says in Ephesians, basically the similar thing in, in chapter 4, he says, be constantly renewed. And I want you to repeat that. Just be constantly renewed. One more time. Be constantly 
that means nonstop renewal. All, keep on going through this renewal process. So he says, be constantly renewed in the spirit or what inspires your mind, your thinking, and then put on the new nature created in God's image in true righteousness and holiness. So he's saying, God has a new nature and it's as easy as putting it on if you will renew your mind in the word of God. When you get in the word of God, you start finding out the more you spend time in the Word and let the Word change you, you put on the whole armor of God. Amen. You go out into your day. Yes. Everybody calls you by the same name they've always called you. But in the spirit realm, uh -huh. you start looking like the Jesus that you have put on. You start looking like the new creation. And the devil will start treating you differently. You've got the, the helmet on. And that face mask over, you know, if you don't pull that thing up and start talking out of your foolish self, the devil thinks it's Jesus in there. Praise the Lord. So when you're renewed in your mind, you begin to experience transformation. I want you to think for a moment how we contrast the word transform and conform. Because the Bible says, be not conformed, C-O-N, conformed, to the world, but be transformed. See what I'm doing with my hand? Transformed. Conformed. Transformed. Now why am I doing that? You're going to be formed one way or the other. You're either going to conform to the world, or you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word conformed is different from transformation in this sense, and probably the best way I can describe it to you is to just give you a, a picture. Picture yourself as a piece of fairly thin metal that's pliable and bendable, and with the right kind of tools uh, that a metal worker might use, you could actually be reformed. Conformity is when your life is put onto an object and you are beaten down around that object until you take on its shape. And the Bible says, be not conformed to the world. And every day that we're not transformed by the renewal of our mind, the, the enemy and just daily life is out there just tapping away and making us more and more like the world we live in. Uh -huh. We find it easier. We know our way around the world. Well, we're Christians, but we still are very adept at the world and living in the world. And after a while, you start thinking like the world. You start acting like the world. The Bible says, don't be conformed to the world. It's easy. You don't have to be evil. You don't have to hate and reject Jesus. You can be a dedicated Christian and end up conformed to the world. It's not evil people that become conformed to the world. It's just people that don't transform. Uh, do you get me? Yes. It's Stop thinking that people that are conformed to the world are sinners. He didn't write it to sinners. He wrote it to believers, didn't he? He didn't write to the people outside of the Corinthian church, hallelujah, or the Romans or the Ephesians. He wrote it to the believers. Amen. So we are conformed to the world just simply by living in it every day. It happens. You're, the heat the pressure, you're melted, you're made supple, you conform. Some of you, man, just jump on that rocky world and just hang over it and just let yourself just be molded to it. 
And sometimes it don't even take a little hammer knocking on you. You're just like, yes. Yes, world. Here I am. Right? So how do you stop that? Transformation is not being conformed. That's not how you become a Christian, by the way. Take everything I said over there, and you don't do that to become a Christian. Becoming a Christian is miraculous. It's transformational. You don't take yourself and say, I'm going to mold myself and be like Jesus. I tell you, one of the worst things in the world is to run into a Christian who's trying to be like Jesus. Because God's got a great way to make you Christ-like, but it's not you running around trying to be spiritual, trying to be religious, dressing the, the Christian way, talking the Christian talk, going to all the meetings. By the way, don't stop going to the meetings. I'm just, that's all good. But um, do you understand what I'm talking about? We don't become godly by conforming ourselves to church or the models that we think Jesus has left us. He wants to transform you, and that happens within. I tell this story, you're probably getting sick of it, but it's so beautiful. The little girl comes in to her mom. She's got the flower in her hand that's all uh, petals tore off, and it's mangled up, and she's upset. She says, Mommy, how come I can't open a flower? She said, Every day the flowers open up, and I know that God makes them to open up, but when I try to open them, I just destroy them. I ruin them. And the mother thought, oh my God, what a question. She's, she, while the mother's standing there, really amazed at her daughter's uh, thought process, the daughter interrupts herself and says, wait a minute, I get it, I know. It's because God opens them from the inside. And I've, I read that story years ago and I thought, boy, there is a mountain of truth there. You cannot open a person's life by tearing the petals away. You can't open them from the outside. God has to make them open up to Him yes. from within. Yes. Transformation is when we spend time with the Word of God and say, Jesus, be real to me in this Word. Let it not just be dead letter, but really speak to me. When I read the Gospels, help me to find who I am in here. Help me to affiliate myself with the characters. Help me to see you speaking to me, touching me. Let me hear what this is all about. And just get personal with the Lord. When you get up every time, whether it's your devotional time or your, your whatever the time is, I hope you are taking regular time to get into the Word. Yes, I am. You get up and go from that experience a little more like Jesus. He rises up within us. It's, it's why I use the hand motion like this. Here we are. We're transformed. We do have an English word that is the exact translation of the Greek word when Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12. And he said, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed. He was writing. And in the Greek language that uh, this was originally written in, he used a Greek word, it's pronounced metamorpho. And I bet you can guess what that Greek word translates to in our English language. Metamorpho is what? Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. The caterpillar goes into its cocoon, 
comes out after a certain length of time and it doesn't even resemble its former self. How in the world it's got legs and beautiful wings and that's metamorphosis. And it is a scientific term because it's the only way that we can explain how this changes into this. But that's God's plan for every Christian is that this transform into this. So what does that have to do with the ninth uh, step, the ninth preparation for entering the presence of God. After the sacrifice, after the offering, after the blood has been shed and, and the offering has been made and everything is right and good between you and God, why does there need to be another step of washing? Why wash again? And you think about it, and there's probably a couple of different things that you, know, you could think of. But um, I honestly believe that as, as I considered it and I thought about it, I feel like the Lord is saying, before you re-enter daily life, check in with the Word again. Put it on. Renew your mind in the Word of God. Reset yourself in the Word of God. And I thought, I got it. So often... If we've gone to the Lord and we've gotten right something that was wrong, we've had a time of prayer, we've had a connection with God, oftentimes we, we have a tendency to go running back out into daily life and just jump into the routine. Not that it's wrong to follow patterns or routines, but, but we oftentimes, in jumping back into the routine of daily life, we simply go back to some of the same things that brought us to that point of need where we had to go get right with the Lord the first time. And the Lord is saying, get into the Word and wash in the Word. Wash your clothes and wash your entire body and then re-enter the camp. And I really believe the Lord is saying, reset yourself in the Word before you leave that time of prayer, that time of communion with the Lord. Can you say amen? amen? And that's why it's a constantly renewal. Constantly renew your mind. It's not a one-time thing. You, you know, you're probably going to go out to have something to eat um, after the, the message. Say you might go to your favorite restaurant and have a, a piece of fish or or a steak, or I don't know, a hunk of broccoli. I'm trying to be inclusive here. And um, the, uh, I don't know, one really sounds pitiful, doesn't it? I'm not going to say which one, but to me, one, you know, sounds. So you're, you're going to go out, but you're, you know, you're not going to go get that menu and say, ooh, those pork chops, they look good, but, you know, I've had pork chops. So, I, I, I need to have something different. No, in most cases, you go and have, you don't even, oh, I don't even need the menu. I know what I'm going to have. Because right. I've had it a bazillion times. And I keep having it again and again because it's what I like. It's what I like. So the Word of God is the same way. Even though you've read it, you've read the story about the woman with the issue of blood in, 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 uh, in Mark coming up behind Jesus taking the hem of his garment. So you don't skip over it. You go right in there and read it word for word again. 
You can, you can just project it as you go. But you read it over and over because we need constant renewal. And you know, I don't care how many times you read it, you get something new out of it every time. It speaks to you. So the idea isn't learning the Word of God and then I've learned it. The idea is being transformed by being in God's Word. Can you say amen? amen. So David in Psalm 119 lists a, a couple of reasons why we should stay constantly in the Word of God. Not that you need reasons, but I just find that sometimes it just helps to nail it down for us. Here's a couple of them. In verse 11, David said, In my heart, I store up your words so I might not sin against you. There's a good reason. There's a good reason. I don't know about you, but after all these years, I'm still highly capable of sinning. I know this may come as a great shock to you. But I have to tell you that after all these, you'd think I would have all that worked out. And I've, got, I've had it worked out a hundred times. But I'm living in a toxic world. I'm still living in a human body. I still have a tendency to get a little cranky. You know, or whatever, fearful, whatever the thing is, it's all out there, you know, and we can become that way. So what did David said? He said, I store up your words in my heart because if I do, I won't sin against you. You see, when I go to do that familiar thing that I typically do, if I've got a pretty good arsenal of God's word stored up in my heart, all of a sudden the scripture starts talking to me. And, and the word of God will start rising up within me. And then all of a sudden I hear God calling. And I, it reminds me who I am. It reminds me of the power I have within me. I now have an option. I don't have to just give in to the flesh. I've got an option. I can do what the word says. See? So, and David goes on and he says this. In verse 25, he said, I collapse in the dirt. Revive me with your word. Isn't that amazing? I collapse in the dirt. Have you ever been there? I collapse in the dirt. I, I thought, how poetic, because it describes somebody who's been probably pulling a heavy load in a task, laboring, and they're just still in the dirt. And then they just collapse. Revive me. Bring me back to life with your word. Another good reason why we ought to have the Word of God on the inside. You don't want to be collapsed in the dirt and you can't quote a single verse. You can't remember a single scripture. You have no grasp of what... You've been to church a lot. You hear all the rhetoric. You know, oh, God is good. Hallelujah. Yes, He is. Every day and all this stuff. You can't defeat the devil with Christian rhetoric. Satan won't listen to Christian rhetoric. You can sing songs at him if you want to. You could sing those victory songs, Bible songs, those songs we worship the Lord with, sing them at the devil. He'll just laugh back at you. He'll sing his songs to you. The devil doesn't back up until you confront him with the word. That's what Jesus did. Did you ever notice Jesus didn't say, you dirty devil. You, do you know who I am? Do you know Jesus didn't say, I'm the son of God. He didn't overcome Satan with who he was. 
He overcame Satan with the word of God. That is amazing. If you were Jesus of Nazareth and the devil came at you, wouldn't you just say, do you know who I am? Do you realize who you're dealing with? Yeah, that's why he's dealing with you. Because he knows who you are. He said, it is written. And then he didn't rebuke the devil and say, get out of here. Because he knew that when the devil's finished, when everything he's thrown at you gets a, it is written, he will walk off. He will not stay around. You want him to walk out, that's how he walks out. Praise the Lord. So, I I like like this other one. uh, The one about collapsing in the dirt. There's another one that says in verse 28, I collapse from grief. Sustain me with your word. Have you ever gotten to the point where you've said, I want to keep going, but I've lost all my strength. I need strength from the Lord. The Word. The Word will give you. You get into the Word of God. I know sometimes I sit down in my devotional time and the last thing I want to do is read the Bible. I'm being honest with you. I don't know if anyone else, I'm probably the only body, only person in the church that's like that. Sit down, get my Bible open. I don't want to read the Bible. There's this little thing in me. So I don't want to read the Bible. I want to check the news. I want to have some breakfast. I want to, you know, I, I've got some clothes I need to pick up off the floor. It's just unbelievable the things you get motivated to do the minute you try to read the Bible. If you've got projects around your house that you have been kicking that can down the road, you don't want to do it. I've got to fix that fence. I've got Pastor Terry, he's amening me. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. You can't motivate yourself to do it. Decide to read the Bible. That motivation will come all over you like a five-legged mountain lion. Let me tell you what. I like this one in verse 114. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. There are times when you just need to hide. You need to get away. It's bad scene out there. There's all kinds of bad stuff going on, and you just want to get under a shelter. I don't want to take a bullet. I don't want to, you know, get run over by all this craziness. Lord, hide me. Hide me from this strife. Where is that hiding place? Where is that shield? I hope in your word. Hallelujah. So God promises to connect with us through our faith and obedience to his word in every circumstance of life. I found one other verse I want to share with you this morning. Let me tell you, this verse is absolutely priceless. I'll bet you're not immediately familiar with it, and you may want to write this down. It's Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16. Jeremiah says this, As as your words came to me, I drank them in, and they filled my heart with joy and happiness because I am called by your name and I belong to you. Let me break that down for you a little bit. When we fast, we're about to go into a fast. When we fast, God's word comes to us. When we turn aside to seek the Lord, God's word comes to us. When we start our day by getting ourselves hidden in the presence of God, God's Word comes. When we open our Bible and begin to read, maybe it doesn't start happening right away, but a a minute or two in or so, the words, we start drinking it in. Your words came to me 
and I drank them in. And then they filled my heart with joy and with happiness. Think about that. Because sometimes, sometimes in life, the joy and the happiness drains out, dries up. It just goes. We don't know what happens to it. Um, I really, you know, I, I, when I was a younger preacher, I had everything figured out. I had a Bible answer for everything. The older I've gotten, there are some mysteries. I have to admit it. There are some mysteries. Why I can be walking on cloud nine one day, wake up the next day, and it's like I'm a different person. Now, don't tell me it's just age. Because I've noticed that all my life. But I finally got to the point where I realized that just sometimes it happens. You, you just get up someday, and we used to say you get up on the wrong side of the bed. I've tried both sides, and it does, it's not really the, the side of the bed that you crawl out on. And sometimes that happiness and that joy is just isn't there. So where do you go to get it back? Your words came to me, and I drank them. How do you get God's word to come to you? You go after the Bible. Go after the Word of God. Sit with the Father and get your Bible open and begin to read. Begin to let God speak to you through the Word. God said to Aaron and those ministers, you're forgiven. We've had a wonderful time. The atonement is done. The blood is put on the horns of the altar. The scapegoat's been released. Israel's sins are forgiven for another year. But before you re-enter the camp, Go wash in the Word. Re-enter by realigning yourself in the Word of God. And I thought it was interesting at the end of that verse where he says, your words came to me, I drank them, then my heart was filled with joy and happiness. He said then, because I'm called by your name and I belong to you. And I thought, why is there an association between drinking in the word of God and being renewed with joy because I'm called by your name. And all of a sudden it just became so crystal clear to me that so often Christians, Christians go through life, those who are called by his name, and we lose touch with our identity sometimes. Just You can, you can lose touch with your identity working for the Lord. You can you could just be working for God and doing everything you're doing, trying so hard, and you wonder, how in the world did I drain my identity, my joy, doing church work and working in the body of Christ or laboring and being, I'm around Christians all the time. Or when I'm around unsaved people, I'm conscientiously letting my light shine. I'm sharing Jesus with people. How could I possibly lose touch with my identity? It just simply happens because that connection doesn't come from doing good works, even doing the obedient things that God's called us. It comes from connection with God through His Word. The Bible says God honors His Word above His name. And so oftentimes, Christians drift from their purpose. They, they lose touch with their identity. But when we reset in the Word of God, we're reconnected with Him. The joy of our purpose is refreshed and, and renewed. So let me just summarize this by saying that being reset in God's Word 
this ninth requirement for entering the presence of God, it needs to be con consistent, constant. Constant renewal needs to happen on a consistent, constant basis. So that's why I think God said in these 10 things, after I think it was step four, step five, wash in the word. Why step nine repeat the exact same thing? Because God wants to bless us coming in and going out. We need to constantly reset. This is the one thing that we cannot fast from, is from the word of God. Amen? Amen. All right, I am going to stop. Hallelujah. God's finished. I don't always stop when God's finished. But I'm going to stop today. Hallelujah. And uh, I'd like you to stand with me.